Well, good morning. Thank you, Pleasant Hill. I, I couldn't help but wonder who's leading service at your church this morning. Are they, they, oh, okay. Wow. So you guys going to bust out of here and then... <laughs> oh, my. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing your, your talents with us. I really appreciate that. I, you know, I really believe that uh, throughout the church universal god raises people up to to help out from time to time uh, i know here at, at north hills our worship team is a very hard working team um you reese and carl work very hard um you know I, you know anybody want to preach for me next week you can bart you want to give it a shot you can i'm always getting mark after mark to, to get up here and give it a go but he Maybe one of these days we'll get them up here. But it's interesting. It, it's fun to see people within the church use a, you, you know, use the church and to uh, to share their passion. Uh, we like to get people plugged into doing things that they really feel passionate about. And uh, I'm really thankful today. I saw a couple of, of young men within the church taking some initiative and stepping up and filling a need. I'm thankful for Dustin this this morning. He uh, did the bulletins. Uh, he was running around trying to get all that up to date, making sure it was printed, the whole thing. And then Cameron was uh, doing the, our attendance today. He was out there marking people off, very carefully doing that. And so I don't know if Cameron's in here. He might be out there. He's still out there. I see him. He's working on the attendance. So God bless him. Uh, but you know, God is very proud of and I, I believe pleased with little acts of service like that. Uh, and uh, so I'm thankful for that, that, uh, you know, the next generation of leaders here at, at this church, they're feeling the need, they're feeling the call to want to start to serve, not just to come to church, but how can I get involved? How can I do something to be a part of, of the church? Everybody has a mission, I believe, a passion. God gives us all spiritual gifts and things to do to, to be a part of the church. And it thrills me to see people, you know, want to find, you know, just give me something little to do. I don't want a big thing yet. Don't, I don't want to be the deacon, and I don't want to be a trustee, but you know what, I can, I, mean, I can do the bulletins, or I can uh, do this or that. And I used to laugh, my, uh, my wife's grandfather, he had a passion for keeping the church clean. Laurel Macy, I don't know if any of you remember Laurel. And he, it was always about keeping the church clean. It didn't matter. In the middle of the church service, if there were flies in the window, he'd go over there with a little sweeper and he wanted to keep it clean. And we used to tease him, don't do that during the service. And he said, well, it's got to get done. And he had a passion for that. You know, I, last week I, I was joking a little bit about, you know, that idea of passion. And we always... Uh, Coaching stuff we go to, they're always talking about passion. You got to find your passion. You got to and do all these things. And you know, I think uh, and one guy told me, "Look, passion. I don't have time for passion. My passion is to go to work and then put food on the table. That's my passion. You know, that's that's what I do. But but the truth is, having passion in what we do is is very important. It's very important because passion to me is it's like an accelerant." On a fire, it, it gets it going. It, you know, uh, we were—I uh, said a horrible example for my kids. We had this massive 
burn pile. You know, it just kind of accumulates with junk and burnable stuff. And we'd cut some trees down, and we had brush. I mean, we had a huge mountain of stuff, and we were just going to light it up. And uh, I remember my son Cody saying, they're going to see that from the moon. I'm like, man, I hope so. And so we're trying to get this thing going, and nothing. Just smoke. And the kids are like, they were really excited. And then after about 10 minutes, they're just kind of bored. They're just standing out in the yard. Big deal, you know. So I did something you should never do. Close your ears, all you firemen out there. I, I got some gasoline in a thing, and <laughs> boom, and the sucker blew. And they're like, yeah, they just went crazy because it was like a bomb going off. I remember my son going, look, a mushroom cloud, because it just <laughs> like that. And uh, that's an accelerant. One time when we were moving, uh, my, my great-grandfather, born in 1898, he was going to help us move. So he's out there digging around, and he was taking things out of the garage and just throwing them into this fire that my dad had going. Well, he was throwing away good cans of Fix-A-Flat, so he'd throw them in there and do do do, and take off, and he'd just laugh and thought that was hilarious. And my dad's like, "Will you stop throwing away perfectly good?" That's what passion is. It's an accelerant. It's like throwing gas on the fire. Whoosh! Passion sustains us. It helps us to stay motivated. It keeps us going. Without it. Our lives can become stale, it can become listless, we can become boring. Our jobs will be boring. We'll wonder, you know, what, what's the, the point of all this, you know? We had a kid the other night, a football game. Graham's right on track for a, a normal season for us. We're working hard, man, but the winds just don't come up in Falcon land, so we're we're now one and two, and we had a kid that, uh, very young kid, just a sophomore, and he, uh, throughout the game, he played his heart out, took some shots, made some fantastic catches, uh, really worked hard at it. But later in the game, he made a mistake that set us back. It was a huge penalty. It may have even, it directly contributed to us losing the game, and he was really bummed out after the game. And I went in after the, the game. I, I like to go in and see the students I have and, you know, hey, good job, good, good, you know, keep working at it. He was in tears. This kid was crying, and uh, he was upset. He played his guts out. Now, that's passion. This kid, he wanted to win. He did everything he could to win, and it hurt him that when he screwed up, you know, it, it, it had a consequence, and I've often noticed that with kids who work hard at school or work hard on sports teams, the kids who really take the time and the effort and they work at it and they put in the time and they sacrifice for the good of the team, it bothers them when they lose. It bothers them when things don't turn out because they have invested something into it. They play with a passion. It matters. Kids who don't put any effort into it, no time, they cut practice, they show up. Losing's not a big deal. Eh, what, what do you want to do this weekend? Yeah, we got that game over with now, so we can... It, it, it doesn't bother them. We need to go about our lives with a passion. That kid 
you know, that kid's going to be successful in whatever field he goes into. I just, I mean, if he takes that kind of passion into his vocation, into his job, you know, I want to hire that kid. I want that kid working for me. I want him in, in my organization. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. And I want to look at this idea of passion a little bit. Romans chapter 12. And let's start with verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Paul's writing this. He says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And then the, the part I like, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let me repeat that, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, Persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. In verse 11 there, if you're in the habit of writing in your Bibles, I know for some people that's sacrilege. You know, oh, you, you got to see some of my Bibles. Not that I'm better than anybody, but they're all written in, colored in, circled in, things written in. Verse 11 there, circle that phrase, fervent in spirit. Or focus in on that word. Your Bible may say something a little bit different. Something like keep your spiritual fervor, stay fired up in the spirit, something like that. But that phrase, fervent in spirit, literally means, you know, sort of the, 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 the Greek phrase for that is to boil in spirit. To boil in spirit. This suggests having, you know, plenty of heat to produce adequate, productive energy, but not so much that it, it's, it's out of control. It's a, it's a controlled burn, so to speak. Okay, when we make spaghetti, you know, get that thing going and the water starts boiling and that's good. That's right where we want it. Nice and, and hot and boiling and it's, it, it's a controlled thing. We don't want it splattering everywhere and going crazy. It's a productive kind of energy. It's not something out of control. One of the things that, uh, you know, as I was younger and was involved in, you know, praise and worship, and, and a lot of times people who are involved in, in worship bands and stuff, you look at uh, the very influential movement throughout the 80s into the 90s, especially the, the, some of the charismatic movements, the Pentecostal stuff, and looking at some of that and the way that they sort of incorporated a, a real passion into the, the worship experience. Now, I come from a family of Pentecostals. I'm not, I'm not Pentecostal, but I come from a family. And there were times growing up that I thought the, the spirit, the fervor in the spirit, uh, they went past boiling. <laughs> they went into out-of-control forest fire or something. I mean... You know, hallelujah, and across the stage, and you know, people flopping around on the floor. And I'm not judging people, okay? I don't want to judge people, but you know, I'm discerning that. <laughs> My discernment is that's weird, okay? 
but, uh, you know, I've seen some different things. I've seen people uh, speak in tongues. Uh, I have never done that. I won't judge anybody who does. My dad used to make fun of people who did that. And then, supposedly, it happened to him at a meeting. And he said, it was the strangest thing. I, I was just praying with my, and all of a sudden, I just start going, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, Dad. I'm, I'm glad for you. Happy for you. I don't, I don't understand it. Go for it, I guess. But I do believe that God gives us a spirit of, of fervor, and he wants us to, to have a passion for him, but a, but a passion that's not out of control. Bible teaches us it's important to maintain this spiritual fervor. Keep the heat up. Stay passionate about what we're doing, especially in the, within the Christian life. In sports, if you come out flat, it's hard to get back in the game later. It's no different at church. We approach things you know, very lackadaisical, very, well, i got to do this. It's hard to get fired up later. When things really matter, you see a dulling, you see a, a lessening in fervor of, of people over time. You know, in the Bible, the Bible tells us that we're to seek God passionately. We're to, to love God passionately. We're to serve and obey God passionately. We're to trust God passionately. You know, and then if you don't, haven't got the message yet, turn to Colossians chapter 3. For all of my new Christians, that's, uh, let's see. Well, even us old Christians can't find it sometimes. Let's see. Help me out. Is it before the T's or after the T's? Mercy. What page is it on? That's what my son would say. What page? I got it. Colossians chapter 3. I remember when my son was saved in his baptism video, he, he, he said, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. I think it was on page 231 or something like that. I'll, I'll never forget that. That was great. Colossians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 23 says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of your inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. It doesn't say do your work lazily. Do your work whenever you feel like it. Do it when you get around to it. Do it heartily. Get into it. With some passion. Whatever you do, do it all with your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. It says, I want you to do everything passionately when it comes to loving me, when it comes to serving me, when it comes to living for me. Now, most of the, the sermons that I've, I've done for you, have, I don't do the point-by-point point thing. But I found something recently from Rick Warren. It was a book that I read that I just... I really loved and wanted to talk about a little bit. It's this idea of passion killers. Things that can reduce your passion or just you know, blast it out of the water. And uh, if you, uh, let me turn to Psalms real quick. Um, 
Psalm 127, verse 2. I know I'm flying around the Bible here, but these are pretty cool. Psalm 127, verse 2. I, I like this one. I just ran across it and was like, this is great. It's, it is vain for you to rise up early. Yes! <laughs> That's good for people like me who hate getting up early. You know, Some of you are morning people. Uh, I, I'm the opposite. The best day, hours of the day are between 11 and 1 in the morning. That, that's when I get everything done, and that, that's fantastic. you know. But I know some people, I'm one of my best friends, he gets up at 4 o'clock every morning. He comes in, he works out for an hour. I admire people who do that. I think, Mark, you, don't you hit the gym or, or stuff before in Baker? They're like, join us! And I'm like, forget no way, <laughs> you know, no you guys are younger than me, and you're buffer than me. You'd be, I tried that one time, working out with some friends who were like that, younger dudes, and I could not hang with them. It was not good. Um, that's fantastic, being able to do that. But verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Amen. Sleep. How many of you wear yourselves out? You have nothing left for God. You, you go and you go and you go and you go and then the weekend gets here. It's time for church. Ugh. I mean, I'm, I'd be a hypocrite to say that I don't do that. For many years, I worshipped at the church of St. Mattress, as, as <laughs> Kayla always taught me, or used to tease me. Um... But uh, we work and work, and, and it, we wear ourselves down, and we really have nothing left for the Lord when he should be who we're working for. Make some time for rest. Take God's example. Last week we talked about, you know, on, this, on the, you know, God created the you know, six days, then he rested. He did that to set an example for us. It's like the movie says, all work and no play makes John a very dull boy. <laughs> so you have to, uh, nobody got that. I don't have any Stephen King fans in here. <laughs> oh, well. Something else that can be a real passion killer besides an unbalanced schedule, uh, unconfessed sin. Now this is a, it's a big one. Because few things can rob us of our joy our confidence, frankly, our passion more quickly than guilt. And I know that some people, uh, I've often said this before, some, some people in the world are thinkers and some are feelers. The world is a, uh, a comedy for those who think, but it's a tragedy for us feelers. And that's me. So when I mess up, man, it hurts. I feel it. And when there is sin in my life, unconfessed sin, it, 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 it just eats at me. And it robs the passion. It robs the, you know, the, uh, the confidence that I should have to live a Christian life. That's how it is with guilt. We don't walk around thinking, you know, I have sin in my life. I'm a guilty person. A lot of times we rationalize it away. Eh, everybody's doing it. I, you know, I should have done that. And... But guilt pops into our mind and 
As human beings, you can't feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. It's not possible. You can't feel guilt and passion at the same time because guilt, by its very existence, it, it robs you of passion. Psalm 38, verse 4 and 6 says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and am brought low. And that's what guilt does in us. I mean, we're like computers. Anybody ever work on a computer and then maybe you got a computer bug or the thing crashes on you? You poor uh, PC Windows people out there. See us Apple people, we never, you know, we hardly ever have that problem. But, uh, you know, we go to school and I'm using Windows 7, which is like one step up from dinosaur from DOS, yeah. <laughs> and that thing's always fouling up. I call tech support, and the answer is always, well, pull out the RAM sticks, blow on them, and put them back in there. And I'm like, this is <laughs> that works. But I'm thinking, there's got to be a better way than to pull the side off of the computer in the middle of class, pull out these little... Uh, ram sticks, blow on them, put them back in there and fire the thing up again. You can't get passionate if you, you work a machine like that. You can't get passionate like that if you're a Christian that's constantly breaking down, having problems. Guilt does this as human beings. We're not made to live with guilt. God didn't make you to carry guilt around in your life. How many times in the Bible does you know, Jesus and others say, you know, cast your burdens on me. You know, my, uh, you know, my yoke is easy and light. I don't want to bog you down with a lot of guilt. God made us to deal with guilt immediately. He sent Jesus to this earth to die on a cross to say, I want to offer you a, a gift. And that gift is freedom from guilt. You are forgiven. That is a gift. I want to give it to you. Why won't you take it? Why will you allow yourself to live this life that I've given to you without passion? I don't want you to sin. Sin has a cost. It costs the life of Jesus. But that's done with. It's paid for. They're suffering from guilt, from sin. However, in 1 John it says this, if we confess our sins, he can be trusted to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise. You know, to confess, it, it means to, you know, sort of you're spilling the beans, you're fessing up to it, but you're also agreeing with God. Yes, God, I agree with you. This was wrong. Why did I do that? Uh, I agree. You got it's. And God says, if you recognize that and you agree with me that it was wrong, accept the gift that I've given you. My, the fact that I, Jesus died on the cross, that is a gift for you. Why do you want to live with guilt? Another passion killer is living life with an unclear purpose. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What kind, of a, what kind of a job am I supposed to have? 
I don't know what my passion is. I just go to work and I put food on the table. That's what I do. Thomas Hobbes wrote this about passion. He said, passion is waking up in the morning wherever you are and bounding out of bed because you know there's something out there that you love to do, that you believe in, that God made you for and you're good at. Something that's bigger than you are and you can hardly want to, to get at it again. It's something you'd rather be doing than anything else and you wouldn't give it up for all the money in the world because it means more to you than money. If you have a, a, a vocation, a job that's like that, you are blessed. I've often uh, have talked to uh, firemen, uh, some police officers, uh, long-time veterans who, who talk about how much they, they love their job. It's not just the, the work, but it's, it's the being with the other people, the, the, the bonds that are created, the, the, the teamwork. And there are people who, who love that job and want to be at that job. We had a school teacher who uh, she taught for 42 years, I believe. She did not want to give up that job. I mean, they basically told her, that's it. We love you, but that's it. 42 years, you know. And she would come in. I know she'd come in at 5 in the morning at least. And she would sit at her desk for two hours, two and a half hours before the kids got there working on something. And then she would be there after school for hours and hours. I don't know what she worked. She just loved school. She loved to be there. She loved the kids. She wanted to be there. We always joked, you know, when she went, I mean, they were going to have to bury her and that desk together probably. They were inseparable. Every day we feel or we face passion killers, things that pull at us and tug at us and make it hard to remain passionate about your life. Especially those of you who work with people. I'm in the people business. Karen's in the people business. Some of you others are in the, the people business. Teaching's an emotional job because you're dealing with people all day long. And somebody like me, who's an emotional person, an empath, they call them, you know, basically, I, it's real easy for me to, to know what you're feeling and I can identify with that. That's a blessing in some ways, but man, is it a curse. Because when a kid's got a problem, I got to be real careful or that it becomes my problem. And you start dealing with kids and you start working with people and it can wear you down. It wears you out emotionally. You get to the point where you just don't care. You got to fight that sometimes. I come home from school sometimes and the last thing I want to do is go back to school. And the kids are like, let's go up to the game. Let's go to there. I'm like, I've been up there all day. I don't want to go back up there. That can be a passion killer. We need a balance there. You know, one day a man walks up to Jesus and he says, Lord, what's the most important thing? Jesus says, you know what the great commandment is? You know, we've talked about it lots of times here. Jesus said, I want you to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Nothing matters more than that. That's the number one thing in life. I want you to love me passionately. 
Nothing else matters in life if you don't love God passionately. God doesn't want you to love him half-heartedly. What if you were in a relationship and you knew that that other person, well, they, they kind of love me. They kind of do. You know, we hang out once in a while. And if she needs something, then she comes and asks for it. But uh, other than that, we really don't you know, talk too much. What kind of a relationship is that? God wants you to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's loving God with a passion. I love the paraphrase of that verse. There's a paraphrase version of the Bible called the message. It kind of puts it this way. Love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. You think about that, circle that word passion. Think about the word passion. You know, the Greek word for passion is from where we get the word heart. Kid plays with a lot of heart. That person serves the Lord with a lot of heart, a lot of passion. God's saying, I want you to put some, put some muscle into it, put some energy into it. Don't be a wimp about your relationship with me. Don't be, you know, cry, baby. Don't be half-hearted. Give it all you got. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to do it and go with it with, with a passion. You've got to give it some oomph. Give it some spark. I want you to live a passionate life. You may be asking, how, how in the world am I supposed to live a passionate life? You don't understand all the things that, I've, that I'm going through. God has made it clear throughout the Bible that he wants to be with you, to help you, to serve you, as we were made to serve him. A good friend of mine uh, was struggling with some things, and uh, he, had, he had prayed to God and, and, uh, about it and was, you know, was zapping the, the joy out of his, his job. And, and he said it came to him, and he suddenly realized, you know, God was saying, you know what, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you whether you uh, are passionate about me or not. I'm going to see you through this. I'm going to walk with you through this. Now, whether or not you turn to me or not, I'm here. What, what do you want? It's almost as if he suddenly realized, I'm not, I'm not counting on God. Duh, he's, he's with me. He's been with me all the way, and I've just kind of been along for the ride. Why don't I wake up a little bit? Instead of seeing God as this thing out there that we... You know, we talk about, no, he's right there. He's alive. And he loves me, and he wants to be with me. God gave him his only son for us. That's, that's a passion for the people to want to save us. <clears throat> In return, God wants us to love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, to live a life of passion. Now, does it mean that a life of passion is always fun? That kid I told you about on the football team, uh, he went at things, but the result was that kid worked extremely hard. 
He put time into it. He had to do that. A lot of times we get fed up and, and we get stuck on feelings. Well, I don't feel it. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like serving. We have to realize the feelings come after the service, after what we do. I shouldn't expect to feel great about myself before I help somebody. If I go and serve somebody in the name of Jesus, and then afterwards I'm like, man, I feel really, that was really cool. I feel great about that. That's where the feeling comes. Don't let feeling and passion be the same. The passion is an active thing. We talked about it, how it's like a, a slow, controlled burn. It's something you, you, you have to pull oomph into it. You've got to engage in it. It's not going to come if you just sit back and wait for it. For many years, I would sit back and wait for, well, God, when are you going to do something? When are you going to do something in my life? When are you going to, when are you going to fire up North Hills? And, and when are we going to... Kind of like my friend. God says, I've been here waiting for you to get moving. Live with a passion. Take the bull by the horns. Seth Ross and I used to talk about Bible study and stuff, and we both, neither one of us were, it didn't come natural, let's put it that way. I love the, the Bible, I love to study, but I teach from it, I believe in it. But trying to carve out a time every day was difficult. And Seth told me that one of the things, he struggled with that, and he had to actually write it down on an appointment thing. I think Mark talked about that last week. Mark's got his meeting time with God every day. He, he said, you've got to write it down. You've got to put it down in there somewhere. Make it a priority to do it. And you just got to hang with it for a little while. Hang in there. Keep doing it. <clears throat> sure enough, that became a habit. And then it became a passion. And then it became, if I ever get the chance to preach... I'm preaching this. I've been blessed. And I'm thankful for that, that, you know, somebody taught me, you know, passion something, you gotta, you got to keep working at it. And then eventually the feelings will come, and then you'll, it'll take hold, and away you go. So if you don't feel real passionate about your job, hang in there, keep working at it. Keep working at it. Remember, we work for the Lord. Maybe you hate your job. You can still go to work and find a way to serve God. Find somebody at work who has a need. Meet it. Help them. Serve them. Share the gospel. Don't be afraid to be that guy. Live your life with a passion. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, it's my prayer that all of us would find a passion for you that we would give up the things of this life God we don't want to gain the whole world and lose our souls help us to live a, with a passion for you to be the people that you want us to be God help us to find our gifts help us to love one another and to serve with a passion in the name of Jesus amen